Welcome to NARAL's The Morning After. Each Thursday, our podcast brings you the latest on reproductive health care, progressive politics, and the fight to keep abortion safe and legal. NARAL's The Morning After is a production of NARAL Pro-Choice Ohio. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ProChoiceOH. Enjoy the show! Hi, I'm Gabe. I'm Kelly. I'm the other Kelly. <sighs> They're giggly today. <clears throat> we, we just had our holiday party. <laughs> um, it's it's the end of 2017. We've we've made it to the end of the year. No yeah. one thought we would. Uh, it, it was uncertain at times. It really um, was. Like, so just you know, casual nuclear war. Right. Always on the horizon. Well, the year's not over. Yeah, that's true. Okay. We could all still die before it's over. We, Happy holidays. We we have a few hours before the end of the year. Um, so we thought for our last podcast of 2017, we'd kind of do a look back at the year that was, uh, try and figure out if there's any way out of uh, the mistakes that everyone in the entire country made uh, over the past 12 months. I feel like it was a very middle of like the line year. Like, oh, there was lots of good things, but there were also some very bad things. Some very bad things. Like, I had a baby, and my dad didn't die, but he came close. Yeah. Well, so, um, we're you know, I was gonna say thoughts and prayers to him, but that's like the worst phrase in the world now, of, especially coming from somebody who yeah, somebody yeah. who is not religious to somebody who is also not religious. We wish that's him okay. The best. President Trump will read you from two Corinthians. Right. And he'll have us say grace over no food. <laughs> I, have we seen him read yet? Do we know for sure that he reads? Is he literate? <laughs> so kicking off the year, he got sworn in. Some um, reason. Yeah. Um, so uh, like you said, bad and good. The bad part of that was Trump got sworn in. The good part was we had record-setting marches in Washington. The next day. Yeah. And across the country. It was yes. more of a shuffle, but yeah. It was a march here in Columbus. Well, in, in D.C. it was definitely more of a shuffle because there were so run. many people. That was amazing. It, it was. It, it did set a good tone for the resistance movement, you know, being led by women. That was, that was great. That's how it should be. Yeah. Well, and what I liked is yes. that people, <laughs> people then didn't just take that moment. They got involved here locally. Um, around the row anniversary, the row together events across Ohio. Right. We had over a thousand people come out to these activist boot camps and take action, and they have remained involved, which honestly I was kind of skeptical. I was like, okay, well, you know, this is a backlash to that moment, and will people stay involved? And, you know, whether it was the march or, you know, people showing up at the airports over the immigration bans and the other things, people have really stayed engaged and involved and i think that that is something that we should all be um really thankful for yeah and it wasn't just in columbus it was in dayton it was mm-hmm. in cincinnati it was cleveland. in cleveland yeah it was kind of awesome I mean, that was the first time y'all had ever done like more than like one city for... oh yeah more than two more than two okay because yeah. cleveland always has one sometimes <laughs> okay <laughs> Well, almost almost every single one of those events was larger than our annual State House Lobby Day has been historically. Yeah. Just huge crowds coming out to really learn about all of the things we've been facing in the in the past, all of the things that we you know at, at, back in January we were sort of planning like, okay, what are the attacks on abortion rights that we might see in 2017, and uh, what we have seen? Yeah, all of them. It turned out. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but, but, you know, the, these were Ohioans 
legitimately interested in not just being angry, but being angry and informed, which is a much better combination. Um, yeah, those and are great events. Yeah. And active. Yeah. You know, that was, I think, one of the real hallmarks of those events was people didn't just come and listen to a speaker. They came and they took action. Right. And that was, that was really, um, I think, us, you know, responding to a moment. And, you know, people, a lot of people who came to those events had been to one of the marches and they were like, thank you for having this. You know, I getting involved maybe for the first time or, or maybe just really felt like they needed community because they, you know, were so upset about, you know, what, you know, America might look like under President Trump. So, you know, that we were able to, you know, build community around that moment and give people real concrete things to do that are making a difference, I, I think was great. I think it was great. And it was, it was so, such a coalition moment as well. This wasn't just a NARAL event, you know, New Voices for Reproductive Justice, the ACLU, Planned Parenthood, the Ohio Religious Coalition for Reproductive Choice, Women Have Options. I mean, so many of our coalition partners, uh, National Council of Jewish Women, um, were, were involved. And I think, I think we're at our best when we're united like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we went from good to bad. Uh, uh, Republicans in the U.S. Senate stole a Supreme Court seat. They yeah. said that they were going to, uh, and they... They did. They did. Well, and I think, you know, the thing... I know this is a look-back show, but looking forward, you know, there will be a Supreme Court case on an abortion-related issue in uh, being heard next year, in 2018. And that's really going to be the first time we're going to see exactly what Neil Gorsuch is going to be like on the Supreme Court on our issue. It's um, the the Nifla v. Becerra case out of um, California that has to do with regulations on fake clinics operated by anti-choice organizations. A law that goes to the Supreme Court as to whether or not people can lie to you. Yeah, yeah. And so this will really be the first time that we see whether or not um, the anti-choice and conservative uh, strategy to steal a Supreme Court justice nomination from President Obama and hand it to President Trump, if that is, is going to you know, pay off the way that they hoped it would, that they'll have someone who will replace Scalia on the court with, with a like um, judicial strategy and outlook. And so we'll, we're going to see very, by June of next year, we're going to know what that looks like. Right. Yeah, you know, I was I was talking uh, about this, uh, you know, Neil Gorsuch with uh, a friend of mine just yesterday, and he was saying that even though they they took the seat, <coughs> you know, thinking conservatives have to be frustrated that you know Scalia, even though everybody here completely disagreed with what he had to say, I mean, he did put together. Uh, you know, intelligent arguments. <laughs> he was wrong, uh, but he was smart about it. Right. Um, Neil Gorsuch, we have not yet seen any sign of intelligence here, uh, you know, in, on a level that matches who he was replacing. Well, and also he was so disrespectful, particularly to the to the women um, in the Senate during the confirmation process and the questioning. Um, yeah. You know, it'll be interesting to see what he's like during the oral arguments on this case and, and what his... You know, if he takes a hand in, in writing the ruling and, and all of that, it's always when there's a new person on the court, or, you know, around these um, controversial issues. It's always, you know, that first case that you really look at and pick apart and try to try to read the tea leaves for the future. Ah. I know. Right. 
back to state legislation uh, here in Ohio. Uh, we had a mix of good and bad. Uh, we saw the abortion method ban uh, pass the Ohio Senate. Uh, the ban prohibiting uh, the most commonly performed procedure for second trimester abortions, the safest, the one that the doctors prefer and recommend to their patients. The alternative being, you know, inducing labor. Right. Uh, so this passed the Ohio Senate, but not without a fight from, uh, from, from you personally, <laughs> uh, dressed up as, uh, the characters from The Handmaid's Tale. Yes. Um, which I finally started reading. Uh, really? I yeah. read, I read it in, this is a reference I get and you don't. I read this book in high school. It came out in the eighties. Well, I did not read that one. Okay. <laughs> well, Yeah. I started reading it on the plane last week. I saw week. it, actually. <laughs> well, it's a great book. It's definitely different from the TV show, so yeah. don't go in with that kind of expectation. I haven't seen the TV show, so... Well, there we go. Well, you really... Mm. I wasn't dressed up as the costumes. I didn't need to know it. I was just taking the pictures. <laughs> well, I think what was what was interesting is that it did capture a moment because the TV series was on and, and people were, were dialing into this, and I think... Um, in many ways, it was so timely because of Trump's election, and white women were were facing a new reality. And that you know that's why that book and that TV series you know kind of hit a nerve at that moment in time. But let's be clear, you know, black women have lived the dystopia. Oh yeah, right. that was described in this, and many black authors wrote about this before. And so you know, a lot of our um, you know colleagues in the reproductive justice movement are like, oh. You're waking up to that. Oh, okay. <laughs> Welcome right. to the other side. Yeah. <laughs> you know, okay. Well, you know, like exactly as Kelly said, you know, here, welcome to it. Um, but I do think it, it captured a moment and really, really helped crystallize for people what it, mean, what it, what it would look like to lose your reproductive freedoms. Um, and yeah. and how 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 all encompassing that can be in your life? Yeah, I think white women, especially like people who are my age, are finally realizing like what it would mean for us to learn lose everything that like the second one first wave feminists had actually managed to win for us. Mm-hmm. So that would suck and does suck. Yeah, it does. And you know, when you talk about taking away the right to a- abortion or access to abortion, it just makes it unsafe. Oh, yeah. It doesn't make it go away. So, you know, if you're, whether you're talking about this ban or that ban or banning it all together, at no time in history and nowhere around the globe has that stopped women from having abortions. I mean, it still happens the condition. Yeah, it still happens in Guatemala where you get 30 years of like prison if you get convicted of abortion. Right. It still happens. Yeah, I I tell people if you, if you want to know how far a woman will go to not have another child when she's not able to, you know, manage being a parent to another child at that time in her life, trot up to the contraception museum on campus at uh, Case Case Western Western. and look at some of the things that women have used over the years, including... Lysol. Lysol. Bleach. Um, The one that really really gets me is the dried beaver testicle tea. The people will drink to try to prevent um, conception. Gross. Yeah. Um. Let that sink in. Didn't I'd rather it not. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, I think it's 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 just a little bananas that legislators think, oh, we're gonna pass all these laws and, and somehow we're gonna change, you know, thousands and thousands of year of hu- years of human behavior and history. you're just you're not. There was you're gonna change whether or not it's safe. There was at one point an herb that was so efficient at like either abortion or preventing con- contraception that we managed to make it go extinct. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, that's, that's a new one on me, but I'm not surprised. 
And that you know, and there are herbal remedies and, and home remedies that, that people do turn to. And Again, not safe. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> people will, will do what they feel like they need to do to take care of their families. Sometimes, perhaps even like in some cases, they may be safer than childbirth. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and um, you know, my grandma, her, you know, she had an illegal abortion in the 30s because she needed to take care of the kids that she had. So, you know, women will will do what they think they have to do, regardless of what legislators say. Okay. Do you uh, need another, uh, like, a pop culture reference to watch with regards to like abortion and childcare? Because you can watch called The Midwife. It's pretty great. Call the midwife. Yeah, I, it, what Netflix keeps slinging this at me, and I haven't watched it's it. Really yet. Should I, it's really good. It's really good. Settle in over I'm, the holiday. Right now, I'm. It's going through like it's. It's based in the six, like late fifties after the National Health Services in the UK was like mm-hmm. was in, like put together and created, and uh, right now it's going through like babies that were born like with a. Uh, the thalidomide, mm-hmm. so like the seal limb babies. So mm-hmm. that's kind of it's it's fun, it's horrifying, and this is like at this point in time, abortion is still outlawed in the UK. So you see what like what happens to some people who try to go get an illegal abortion. Some survive, mm. and some that don't. And it's it's really good. Sounds like a great way to spend the holiday. I mean, I've been. That's what I. Yes, <laughs> they have Christmas episodes. <laughs> oh my god. Wonderful. Because it's, it's a British show, and that's the thing they do, is they always have, like, Christmas specials. Father Christmas. Call the Midwife. It's it's on Netflix? It is. Mm-hmm. Is it made by Netflix, or is it just, no. like, something else that just happens it's to be on just, Netflix? I think it just happens to be on Netflix. So you might be able to find it elsewhere. Yeah, there's, like, eight seasons. Oh. Maybe more. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's been around for a while. It's really good. Oh. There's a lesbian. They're beautiful. Okay. We'll find a link, and we'll put that one in the show notes. <laughs> It's uh, just what I've been watching recently, and it seems relevant to people who would listen to this show. Call the midwife. Got it. Um, uh, so also in state legislation, uh, uh, you know, uh, back to the bad, uh, they were able to put another million dollars uh, for crisis pregnancy centers here in Ohio into the state budget. We were hoping it wouldn't be a million. It was like, what, originally 600000 They toyed around. Originally, yeah, it wasn't levels. in at all. Right. Oh, and then it kind of warmed its way back in through the process. I'm sure that they probably have people who look at that and call and be like, hey, where's our money? Oh, you can rest assured. Yeah. I mean, Ohio Right to Life, when when the first version of the budget came out, they were there in finance committee at the very first opportunity uh, with crisis pregnancy center staffers talking about, you know, what they want to do. Aren't half of their staffers in the state legislature? <laughs> Well, one of them is. Well, yeah. well, and let's be clear on this funding. It's funding that's supposed to be part of temporary assistance for needy families, which is right. cash assistance for things like kids who are hungry. Right. So let's take money literally away from hungry children and give it to fake clinics who lie to their their clients and who don't provide um, actual reliable medical services. Um, yeah, that seems like a great plan, especially since you know we have an appallingly high infant mortality um, crisis in Ohio. So sure, you know, let's, let's give a million dollars to these places. No. <laughs> yeah, I agree, no. Uh, but it is in the budget. So um, we keep a, a list of all of the restrictions, uh, attacks on abortion rights, reproductive health care funding, all of those things that John Kasich has signed. Uh, and this got added to the list. That's restriction number 20, uh, 19. 19. 19. Um, so, uh, yeah, that, 
that was for for the bulk of this year the bad thing that got signed into law. Yes. So um, we kept going on uh, in state legislation, uh, saw a return of the six-week ban. Um, you know, that thing has had the most storied, checkered past uh, in the state legislature, uh, vetoed just, you know, a year ago in December, but yet it it's here. Hanging out. Right. Well, it's Her not just friend. here. It's also <laughs> in Washington. Um, you yeah. know, the backers of that piece of legislation, Janet Folger Porter, has um, had meetings in the White House. Um, Hanging with, out with our best friend, Roy Moore. Yeah. <laughs> well, she's doing that, has been doing that recently. But before that, early in the year, you know, she uh, had Tom DeLay and herself and her staff were in the White House. They met with staff there about that legislation. They um, met with the vice president, uh, Pence. Um, had a little grip and grin at the White House. Um, they also had their first hearing in the um, in the state or in the national capital, where they again employed a tactic that we saw first here in Columbus, Ohio, where they, you know, played an ultrasound and you know in committee. And you know, of course, it wasn't one that was, you know, for the time period that they're talking about banning abortion. But right. you know, let's not get those things you know in the way. And then, of course, as Kelly mentions. Um, you know, when they're, they're so desperate to get that, that legislation passed that, you know, uh, the, the head of that organization, Faith to Action, who's behind that, went down and was the spokesperson for Roy Moore through this election. It was, if you think that there's any length that these people won't go to, any person that they won't back, any, any line that they won't cross to outlaw abortion, you know, I just think you should look at the way that they rallied behind Roy Moore after all of those Allegation after allegation of allegation of sexual impropriety with minor uh, women, um, you know, and all of the other things he said about, you know, slavery and <laughs> I, I mean, it, it was just it was stunning the way that they they rallied behind him, and it's all because they want outlaw abortion, right? So Janet Folger Porter uh, and Roy Moore, uh, they get the Strange walk of shame, yeah. <laughs> walk of shame of twenty seventeen, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and thankfully they they lost this round, but you know, if you think they're 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 vanquished, you know, they're not. They'll right. be back. Right. Especially since she's got this legislation to uh work try and on shoehorn through the Ohio, Ohio legislature. It's well. it's kind of a, a puzzle as to exactly, you know, how much Janet Folger Porter will be involved trying to get this bill moving in Ohio. She certainly you know, believes that her presence is a good thing. Um, but the actual bill sponsor, uh, Christina Hagen, is running for Congress. And so she's trying to use this to demonstrate that she is a, you know, rabidly conservative Trump supporter uh, who likes these sort of... She doesn't understand you know, a single word she reads. Like when she's ta- like doing her testimony <laughs> on this bill. Like, I'm like, you don't know what any of what you are saying means. That might be true. <laughs> Well, whether she understands it or not, the fact that she would be willing to, um, you know, abdicate her own right to make decisions right. over pregnancy is, is one of the things that's always shocked me um, about anti-choice women. I'm like, wait a minute. You're advocating to have your ability to make decisions taken away. I, you know, Sarah Palin, you know, she talked about, um, you know, when she became pregnant unexpectedly, um, you know, at a you know, a time later Advanced than she had maternal planned. age. Yeah, which is like, what, 35? <laughs> um, Something like that. And, you know, and the Down syndrome diagnosis and all that. And she talked about the decisions she made. 
And, you know, my attitude has always been, you're welcome. It is a decision. (laughs) You're welcome. Yeah. You're welcome that that was a process that you were able to go through to make decisions about what was best for your family. Because if you had your way, no one would make decisions. Things would just happen to people. Right. So you're welcome. All the people who have made those decisions. Yeah. It's interesting that the the conversation you're having and telling about your story to make the decision, like you're missing the, like that is predicated on you being able to make that decision. Right. Right. Uh, in Congress, um, Obamacare is alive. Uh, we Barely. saw the yeah, we saw the attempt to kill that yet another uh, Republican plot to destroy Obamacare uh, stopped at the very last second. Um, so that was good. Uh, the bad thing is that they uh, have just passed tax reform, and so they don't are, call it that tax scam. Tax scam. Yes, you're correct. Uh, they're destroying the way that we fund uh, many key programs that the government runs um, just to create a $1.5 trillion deficit and give giant tax cuts to uh, Donald Trump and his friends. Well, including CHIP. I don't understand how this is legal. <laughs> it's legal because they make the laws. I don't um, like that. That's why elections <laughs> matter. But the Children's Health Insurance Program, Speaking CHIP, of. <laughs> yeah. not funded. Yeah. But, you know, it's about the babies. Speaking of your vote mattering, the Virginia House of Delegates had a Democratic representative win by exactly one vote. I know. I saw that. One vote. (laughs) What's that mean? It means your vote matters. Vote. Yeah. 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 Um, So that was was in Congress. uh, And and you were talking about CHIP. Um, Still not renewed. uh, Sorry, sorry, Jamie's blowing up my phone right now. Um, uh, Sherrod Brown uh, is like the biggest supporter of CHIP. CHIP is the uh, uh, Children's Insurance Health Program, right? Children's Health Insurance Program. That's why it's CHIP. Yeah, C-H-I-P. That. <laughs> CHIP. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. CHIP. Thank you, Hillary Clinton, for... Yeah for uh, beginning that program, not necessarily Orrin Hatch, as he claims to have, as First Lady. Right. Mm-hmm. But uh, but Sherrod Brown is a major vocal proponent of this bill to try and continue supporting children uh, you know, across Ohio and across the country who rely on this critical program that needs to be continued. Uh, Trump and his people don't want it, though. Well, and, you know, there if... If you're on the Facebook machine, uh, you may have seen video of Sherrod Brown really taking his colleague, the uh, chairman of the committee, Orrin Hatch, to task over CHIP. And he's like, what are you doing? You're gutting your own program. Right. And he's like, well, you know, and Orrin Hatch is like, oh, well, I take exception to that. And everyone knows. And I'm like, no, everyone doesn't know. Because, you know, what you say means nothing. What you do means everything. And what you have done is you have left these children out in the cold without health insurance when they need that. I mean, when you've got Jimmy Kimmel crying on television with his baby in his arms talking about how other kids won't be able to get the health care that they need like his son did, um, you have really stepped over the line. I mean, when comedians are, are in tears begging you to do the right thing by children, I think you need to look in the mirror. And say, what am I doing and who am I serving and why am I here? I don't understand why the U.S. legislator is just not interested in having anyone in this country insured. Like, why do we want to just kill all of your constituents? Do you really want to get, like, do you want to vote that bad that you'd kill everybody under you? I mean, that's, yikes. 
Thank God for Sherrod Brown. Yes. Absolutely. Um, so uh, we finished up uh, here in the state legislation with uh, House Bill 214 passing. Um, they were calling it the Down Syndrome Abortion Ban. Uh, what we've really understood looking at this piece of legislation as it's moved forward um, is that while the um, the intent is to, uh, you know, interfere with a, a woman's ability to have that conversation with her doctor um, when she decides what's best for her, uh, if the bill would be enacted, um, you know, it, it would go into effect 90 days after Kasich signed it, um, then... This applies a fourth-degree felony charge, which is, you know, a career-ending penalty to doctors um, based on, uh, you know, factors outside of their control. Uh, And so it's really designed to just shut down every single abortion clinic in the state if they can um, to to force providers to leave the state of Ohio or stop offering safe and legal abortion care. Well, and I think the thing that's really upsetting about that is that this time after time, this legislature has criminalized the profession of medicine right. um, as it relates to women's reproductive health care. And, you know, we know for a fact that doctors have um, chosen not to practice in Ohio, that they have received training in Ohio and chosen not to um, stay in Ohio because of these laws. They have testified to this fact repeatedly, and the legislature continues to ignore it. And Ohio's a medical destination state. People come here from all over the world to go to Cleveland Clinic and other places, Ohio State Medical Center, for world-class health care. And yet what we're doing when it comes to reproductive health care is that we are, we are criminalizing physicians. We have women who have to flee the state to access abortion care because of all the different bans that are in place. How, how does that make Ohio a place where the best and the brightest physicians and young people will want to be. How does, I mean, this inter, we were talking about not just an infringement on reproductive rights and someone being able to access care, but, you know, will there be gynecologists for women who are having children? Will they practice here? Will the best and the brightest be here in Ohio and want to work and companies locate here? Um, you know, to be part of a thriving economy for our state. I mean, if we continue to roll back the clock, we're n- that this is going to have an, Im- an economic and a medical impact that I think is far-reaching. And unfortunately, it doesn't affect just people in Ohio. It also affects people mm-hmm. in West Virginia, people in Kentucky, people in Indiana and Pennsylvania, where the clinics have already been closing. I mean, mm-hmm. West Virginia and Kentucky only have one clinic each. Right. Half of ours have closed, and who knows how many more are going to close. So you're going to see millions of people without access to abortion. That's right. That's right. And, and why? <laughs> I don't For funsies. Yeah. I mean, this does nothing to protect women's health care. Because think Ryan, thing, Paul Ryan wants us to have more babies. Uh, well, you have them. No. Um, I, not had you, my I mean one. him. I, don't mean I had him. my one. I'm fine. No, no. I, I'm talking to him. Um, <laughs> He's had three. He's fine. Well, you know. I, 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 think, I think one of the things that has always bothered me about this particular band, the Down Syndrome band, too, is that time and again they've turned down amendments that would have actually helped families who have children with Down syndrome be able to, to best meet their needs so that they can have the thriving and full lives that we all want them to have. Right. So let's be clear. 
this legislation, it has nothing to do with Down syndrome except for the fact that it's exploiting it as part of a larger strategy to outlaw abortion for everyone. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, they turned down an amendment for funding special education. Mm-hmm. They turned down an amendment for uh, Medicare for the life of the patient with Down syndrome. Yep. And what was the other amendment? I don't even remember it. Special education funding. Oh, no, it was um, from the brilliant state representative, um, Amelia Sykes, that said that women could not be compelled to testify as to the reason that they um, wanted to end their pregnancy. Um, Because, of course, if you're going to criminalize doctors, there's going to be a trial and there's going to have to be witnesses. And, you know, and she wisely looked at this legislation. Who would testify against their doctor for care that they were seeking? Well, if you get hauled into court and you're threatened and, you know, who knows, maybe a prosecutor says, hey, you know, we're going to get children's services involved and, you know, we're going to say you're an unfit mother if you don't testify. I mean, so things can get really bad. Yeah, really so fast. essentially you are also criminalizing the person who was seeking the care. Of course, but they don't want to do that outright mm-hmm. because, you know, mm-hmm. they, don't, they, don't like to, they don't like the idea of have, have having people understand where this logically leads, which is <laughs> they don't putting like those women optics, in jail. Yeah. Right. Okay. What's the oh. next good thing, Gabe? The next good thing is that 2017 <laughs> is hereby done. Oh we head into 2018. Is, it, is anyone we... listening drunk yet? Like, are, <laughs> are you drinking out there? Uh, are you are okay? we out of time? Hopefully not if you're listening to the radio version because it's Friday morning at like 9 a.m. <laughs> Day uh, drinking is fine. It's fine. Are we optimistic about 2018 or... Uh... I mean, I'm optimistic for November 2018 because we're going to put in the work to... Get people to the polls. I think we will. We, I mean, friggin' we better have to. <laughs> and <laughs> well, not. and let's let's be clear. Like looking back to Alabama and Virginia, um, this is an, uh, a message out to to everyone who's in politics. You have to make black women a real part of your strategy and your leadership and your policy because they are the ones who have been voting to save this country for real. from Roy Moore and from all of these other things. And be clear, they're, they're, they're voting because they have more on the line than anyone else. They have more at stake. They have more at risk than anyone else. And, you know, if you are a political person and you're listening to this, I am telling you now, you cannot wait until October or November to say, oh, we need to figure out how to get black folks to the polls. This has to be a partnership, a real partnership, where women of color, uh, men of color are part of your policy, part of your leadership, and, you know, real parts of your organization. Because otherwise, you're not going to have the votes you need to win. Because, I mean, white guys forget about it, except for Gabe. You know, he votes right. But, uh, you know. Don't give uh, him too much credit. Well, he does vote right. I mean, I would hope so. Um, but, you know, let's be honest. You know, it's, it's single white women. It's people of color. It's millennials. And, you know, these, you know, we have to invest in these communities because we need them to turn out to vote and because it's the right thing to do. That's what she said. Okay, everybody have a good year, uh, and we'll see you back here next week. Bye. Bye. Ciao.